0: And all glory to God. Thank you for being here this morning. It's very exciting. I'm going to start out with a story. And we're just going to learn about a man that was flying very, very high. Actually, we're going to learn about a pilot that when he woke up in the morning, when he was flying a 747, never imagined that he would see what he saw out of his window. And he looks out the window 1,600 feet in the air, and he sees a man, a man in a lawn chair, with weather balloons attached to him, with sandwiches. I think he had some beer. And the pilot radioed to the tower and said, and he has a gun in his hand. You will never, ever hear a story like that again. I don't think that will ever happen again. But what was happening there was this man named Larry Walters. He had a dream. He had a dream that he would fly, that he would fly a plane. But he couldn't do it because he had really, really, really bad eyesight. But you know what? He never let go of his dream. He never let go. For 20 years, he said, I am going to fly. And he hatched this plan. He hatched this plan. Imagine if I went outside and said, Linda, I'm going to get in a lawn chair and put some balloons on it, and I'll see you later. He strapped these balloons. His girlfriend helped him. He got in the chair, and he thought he would go about 30 feet. Pretty quickly, he went 1,600 feet in the air. Well, the gun that he had was a pellet gun, and the pellet gun was to shoot out the balloons so he could come down and descend. So he didn't realize he was going to go that high. So he started to shoot the balloons out, and he, he landed in electrical wires. It doesn't sound like a good thing. They were pretty close to the ground, and he came down, and they arrested him immediately. But you know what happened to Larry? He became famous. His dream became true. He was on a speaking tour. He quit his truck driving job and everything was happening for him. People liked to talk to him. But over time, people really didn't want to hear about it anymore. He gave his chair away to a little boy, and over time, things kind of died down. And, and you know, Larry just kind of looked at life in a depressing way, and he started to work for the Parks Department. We would take people on hikes. And then 10 years later, Larry took his own life by putting a bullet straight through his heart. And you're probably saying, great, Mark, thanks for the sermon this morning. You want to get up and leave because that's the most depressing thing (laughs) that I can start with. But the reason why I do that is I want you to open your Bibles, and I want you to look at the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 2. Because we're going to look at a journal. As Paul said last week, it's a journal of a man who's probably at the end of his life, and he's writing in his journal about life. And about what he did. And it's not pretty. Do you know if you had a journal at home, you would lock it up, right? And you would hide it away. And you wouldn't want anyone to read it. You don't want anyone looking at your journal, but we get to look at Solomon's journal here. We get to see exactly what he was going through in life and what he was doing. And this is a gift because God does not want you, He does not want me. Solomon did not want his son or anyone else to go down the paths that he went down because they were all dead ends. They were all dead ends. You know, life is hard. My daughter, Trisha uh, gave me a quote, and I really liked it. I think this is supposed to be really inspirational. It's an inspirational quote, but when I looked at it, I said, this person gets it. This person gets life. Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Choose your hard Obesity is hard. Being fit is hard. Choose your hard. Being in debt is hard, but being financially disciplined is also hard. Choose your hard. Communication is hard, and not communicating is hard. Choose your hard. Life will never be easy. Life will never be easy. It will always be hard. But we can choose our hard. Pick wisely. I don't know what you're thinking right now, but I'm hoping you're thinking that, yeah, my life can be hard. I can have difficulties and trials in this world. Do you know that Solomon wrote that journal? And I I love to look at people's names. You know his name means peace, peaceful one. It means shalom. When we read his journal, he had anything but peace. He actually will say, I hate life. I hate life. That's what he says. Have you ever been like that? And also, besides that, have you ever looked at life to be satisfied in the things of life that life gives to offer us without God, under the sun, without God? Have you ever tried to be satisfied in those things without Jesus Christ? And I looked at this and I thought, you know, it's kind of like spitting into the wind. It's something that you definitely do not want to do, especially if it's a windy day. Spitting into the wind to do something totally pointless, fruitless, or futile. To waste one's time doing something that will never, will not, or cannot come to pass. So, when we look at this amazing portion of Scripture, and we're going to read through it, just think about this. We're going to look at spitting in the wind of pleasure and of wisdom and of work. And then the last portion talking about living our lives on earth with Jesus. Just think about, if you can just think about the way that you're living and about your life, because trust me, I've been doing that with this, and it's not pretty. I always think about Robert Moses going to the beach, and I always say, wow, there's a wave. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go in the wave. It's going to be wonderful. And then the next thing I know, I can't see. I'm under the wave, and i got sand all over the place, and I'm gasping for air. I don't know if that's your life. Sometimes. I'm sure it's not every day, but it can be like that. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we ask as we go through Ecclesiastes, as we go through chapter 2, as we go through Solomon's Journal, that you would help us to see wonderful, wonderful things in your word. This is going to be hard. It's not going to be pretty, and it's not going to be easy. But help us, Lord, I pray. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. So in chapter 2, if you follow along with me, I have the uh, ESV, but whatever version you have would be pretty comparable, so just read, uh, read along with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And this portion here is the longest portion that we have to go through, and the other ones are a little shorter. I said in my heart, come now. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold of folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during a few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses. I planted vineyards myself, I made myself gardens and parks and planted them in all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions and herds and flocks and more than anyone who had ever been before me in Jerusalem." I also gathered for myself silver and gold and treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them." I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for my toil. I had expended in doing it, and behold, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Now if you think that this is not reality for today, think again. We could read the Bible and say, man, that's out of touch, has nothing to do with my life, has nothing to do today. Well, Emma and I was taking a road trip, and we heard a song on the radio. I want you to listen to these. And, I, and we turned around, and, we, and I had her play it again. Listen to these words. This is today. There's got to be a reason that I am here on earth. Got to be a reason for the dust and the dirt. The changing of the seasons never changed my hurt. So what's it worth? What's it worth? Worth another shot of whiskey, another sip of gin, another drop of poison that is slowly sinking in. If we're going down together, better take another hit. We won't be here forever, so let's make the best of it. That's from someone who lives today and who's writing and who's singing to the generation of today saying, what's it worth? I might as well just have some whiskey. I might as well just make myself numb. Because as Paul said last week, this earth just goes on and on and on and on. You get up and you go to work. You come home, you make dinner. You wake up again. It goes on and on and on. And if you don't have God, if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have no hope. You have no hope whatsoever. You may feel like you have hope. You may feel like, yes, I can do this on my own, but you can't. Don't lie to yourself. Don't let the world lie to yourself. Don't do it. He tells us right away. When you read those verses, he tells us right away. He said, look, I went after pleasure. I went after this. He doesn't go through the whole chapter to wait to tell you what happened. The first couple of verses, he says, It is worthless, it's meaningless, it's vanity. The word is hevel, it's a Hebrew word. And Paul went over this last week so well, but it basically means smoke and vapor. You try to catch it and it's gone, you can't grasp it. And it also means other things. It means you can't make sense of what's going on in the world. You can't make sense unless you have your Bible, unless you're praying, unless you're going to God and asking for wisdom, as it says in James. You'll never make sense of this place on your own. He says, It's an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and he has seen everything. Solomon was amazing. You can't outdo Solomon. He's seen everything, and behold, everything is vanity. And striving after the wind is like spinning into the wind. And over and over and over he writes in his journal. We were all meant for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Every single one of us. We were meant for that relationship. You know, Solomon, when he's writing here, he shows us plainly that everything that he's doing, he did on his own. I try to emphasize it when I was reading. I don't know if you caught it, but take a look at it. He says, I bought, I made, I I, 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 you don't see God anywhere. It's all about him. I said in my heart. Jeremiah 17 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Listen to John, John 2, but Jesus, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all people. Imagine that. I had a financial counselor tell me one time, I said, oh, I'll go to a financial, I, I don't even know if I had to go, but I said, you know what, it's always good to get counseling and why not do financial counseling? You live on Long Island, and it's tough to live here. So I sat with a financial counselor and as we sat with her, she was wonderful and She looked at me and asked me a question. And she said about a financial decision that I made. She said, Did you did you ask God if that was okay? It made me mad. It made me mad. It made me angry because I was like, I didn't want to be mad. I wanted to be like, oh, that's a good question. Dumb me. I shouldn't have done that. I should have asked God. Well, my initial thing was like, why are you asking me that? I can do whatever I want. I know God blessed me with money. I know he blessed me with a job. I know he blessed me with things. But, hey, I could do whatever I want. Why are you asking me that? And that was the problem with me. It's the problem with me today. I want to do what I want, when I want to do it, and how I want to do it. And Solomon's saying, I'm going after pleasure, and I'm going to test this. And he was actually testing this for us, for the world, for his son. He said, I'm going to test everything and see how it goes. He had wisdom that never left him, and as he did these things, he was able to write it down in his journal so we could see it. But listen, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I've said that verse over and over again. And it really probably has not sunk in yet to the real true meaning of what that is. But We all need to trust in God. We all need to lean not on our own understanding, but to, to lean on God and to lean on him. Look, Solomon looked at achievement. Look at your world today. Look at the world we live in. He looked to achievement, to sex, to wealth, to laughter, to alcohol, to wisdom, to pleasure, to construction, to status, into fame. That's what he looked to and all the things that we have in our life and all the things that we have around us. Literally, Solomon tried to create a new Garden of Eden. The phrase, every kind of fruit tree in verse 2-5 is used three times in the creation account in Genesis 1. He tried to get back to paradise, but you can't get back there in a fallen world. You can't. There's no way to get back to the Garden of Eden, the way that God had created the earth. We are in a fallen world. The only thing that will help is if you move toward Jesus, if you move towards God, if you move towards the grace and the mercy that he's offering each one of you, if you have not already proclaimed him as your Lord. Look at Psalm 42 for a minute. I'm going to take a sip of water. and Just turn to Psalm 42. I love the imagery here. And if you close your eyes, you can see the deer, and you could see the water, and you can hear the streams. If you close your eyes, you could see all of this. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God does your soul pant. Does it long for God? Does it? Or in my case, at times in my life, my soul longs for my job. It longs for the house that I could have, for that person, for those things. Your heart longs for other things than God. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And I would just say, I mean, I could talk for hours. I could stay up here and and babble and babble and babble, and you'll probably remember like maybe two things, not even. I'll go home, open your Bible, and just read God's Word and for yourself meditate on it and pray to God and ask Him to show you things. The next one is spitting into the wind of wisdom. In this section, Solomon proclaims in his journal... As I told you before, he actually says, I hate life. You wouldn't think it would be possible. Here's a man who has everything. He's bigger than Bill Gates. He's bigger than Warren Buffett. He's bigger than anybody. He's, He's got everything, 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 everything. I hate life. Does that make sense? doesn't make any sense to us. Let's read verse 12. So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can a man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than folly, as there is more gain in light than darkness. The wise person has eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, What what happens to the fool will also happen to me. Why then have I been very wise? And I said in my heart that this is also vanity, for the wise, as the fool, there's no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten, how the wise dies just like the fool, so I hated life. Let me just repeat that. How the wise dies just like the fool, so I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is vanity. There's that word, hevel. All is hevel. All is hevel and striving after the wind. And Solomon had so much advantages, as I said. He was given wisdom by God to be able to tell right from wrong. If you want to take time this week, look at the biblical account of Solomon. Look at his life. Look at 2 Samuel. Look at 1 Kings. Look at 2 Chronicles. And part of the reason what he's saying here. In this section, he wants his son to know, he wants us to know, we can't outdo him. We can't outdo him. So it's not like you could say, okay, great, Solomon didn't try this, so I'm going to try this. He tried everything. Wisdom is better than foolishness, it says. Wisdom, this would be he or she who has given his or her heart to God. God has filled this person with wisdom to know right Or the Holy Spirit, right ways of God, and to live them out. Rather, folly or foolishness refers to someone who lacks the proper fear or respect of God. He or she is therefore prone to go his or his or own, sorry, his or her own direction. And we see that all the time. Listen to Proverbs four: Hear my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of righteousness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of the instruction and do not let go. Guard her for she is your life. Just listen to that. Hold on to wisdom. Now in this section, this is really the main point of what we need to talk about. And what most people try to hide in their life. You may not realize it, but you don't want to think about it and you want to cover it up and you don't really want to dwell on this. But the great equalizer here is death. He said the wise person and the fool both have the same fate. They both die. You die, I die, we all die. We're going to die. So let's stop pretending that we're going to live forever here and that life will get better. It's not going to get better. You can think whatever you want, but it's not going to get better. You're always going to have hard and difficult times. You know, my dad recently passed away, and I remember him always saying, nobody ever told him that going downhill was harder than going up. It kind of annoyed him a little bit. Going downhill, we're all going downhill That's what Solomon is saying here that it's vanity. It's meaningless. If we're all just going to die and that's the end, then what's the use? When I was younger, I met my friend Mark. And I'll never forget it because he was a great and amazing guy. But the first time we met, we met in the hall. And I was like eight. And he was like eight. And we were like, I call you out. He's like, No, I call you out. I was like, I don't even know what that means, but I know I'm in trouble. So we met in the woods. He had his friends. I had my friends. And we're standing in the woods and we're doing like trying to, you know, look cool. I don't know which one it was, but we swung, we missed, we hit the tree. Ow. And we became best friends for life. But Mark's life did not last that long. Last Father's Day, he went fishing with his son and he had a heart attack and died. He didn't know when he woke up that morning. Look, I'm 50-something. I forget. And he was 50-something. I don't think that's old. But you do not know when your life will end. You do not know. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be like the generation that was born in the 2000s. They're supposed to live till they're 100. But that's no guarantee. You have friends And you have family that you know have passed. And you know that you're going to pass. Get right with God. Get right with Jesus Christ. The Bible says, and it's just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear sins for many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting him. You know, all pursuits in our lives, the pleasure, the wisdom, the work, it's all really a way to hide this fact that you're going to die. Be careful that you're not like the fool in the Bible. And he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store up my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years to relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool! God said to him, Fool! This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? When you leave, you leave everything behind. So, is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God? Spitting into the wind of work. In, in verse 18. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master for all that I toil and use my wisdom under the sun. This is also vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who will not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all his toil, striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun for all his days, listen to this, for all his days are full of sorrow and his work is vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. I love kids' books. Actually, I do much better with children than I do with adults. I don't know why that is. I just, I love kids, and I will read kids' books. I just like to read them, and um, I get them. But this is one of my favorites. I went to sleep with gum in my mouth, and now there's gum in my hair. When I got out of bed this morning, I tripped on the skateboard and by mistake, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running and I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Judith Forrest, who wrote that, got life. She understood it as well. Have you ever had a day like that? You just wanted to go back to bed? Just say, hey boss, I'm not coming in today, I'm having a horrible, terrible, no good day, and and I'm going back to bed. I I wish I could do that. When you think of work, we think of something that we do more than we do anything else. You will spend more time at work than you will most likely with your family, because when you're home, part of the time you're sleeping at night. You get a little time with your family, a lot of time at work, and you're spending all your time there. Em and I had a trip up to Word of Life, and they had, uh, where Kara works, and it was such a great weekend, it was college for a weekend, and there was a speaker there, and he asked a question that stumped me. He said, what does, what does all jobs, what does your job, and your job, and your job, what is it, what do do they all have in common? And I was like, I probably should know, I don't know. And somebody raised their hand, they said, money, and he's like, yeah, you're right, but that's not the answer. What do our jobs have in common? It's Like, I don't know. They're temporary. They do not last forever. And yet we live our lives like that's the most important thing. Our jobs, what we do for work. They're not going to last forever, and you won't last forever. They are all temporary. And I just love the way he brought that out to them because he was saying, look, and he prayed with the kids. It was amazing. He goes, I don't know if you're coming to this college. Maybe you won't come. But make sure you're right with God. Make sure you're reading your Bible. Make sure you understand that first and have that as a platform for your life instead of your work and the other way around. Solomon's journal tells us that a fool may inherit what you leave behind. His son actually lost everything that Solomon had worked for. I don't know if you know that, but read his account. What he's writing in his journal came true. He was worried that this is going to happen. I may leave it to a fool. Do you know there are some billionaires today who are trying to figure this out? Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and uh, Simon Cowell. They have said, nope, not going to do it. I'm not going to leave my wealth to my children. And they have planned not to do that. It sounds wonderful, but Who knows what organization they give their billions to? Who knows what people they give their money to if they'll be fools or wise? You really can't get away from it. And this really bothered Solomon. It bothered him. I worked my whole life. I'm a workaholic. I've done everything. And now I got to leave it to somebody else? He was angry and mad and despaired for his life. Have you ever had a difficult day at work? Have you ever laid awake at night thinking about work? They're not paying you for that. I hope you know. Not, I think that sometimes. I'm laying awake. It's 2 o'clock. I woke up. I'm like, oh, my gosh. What if I got to do this? I'm thinking, they're not paying me to worry about this, but I'm worried anyway. And we spend so much time at work when we're not at work in our minds and our hearts, and we're anxious. And that's what he was saying. There was a man who actually studied work. The name of his book is People Talk About What They Do All Day and How They Feel About What They Do All Day. That's part of the name of his book. And when I read this, I didn't get it. I had to read it a couple of times, but I get it now. He said, this book is about work, is by its very nature about violence, violence to the spirit as well as the body. It is about ulcers, as well as accidents, about shouting matches, as well as fist fights, about nervous breakdowns, as well as kicking the dog around. I don't know where you got that from, but it is above all or beneath all about daily humiliations. To survive the day is triumph enough for the walking wounded among the many of us. That seems extreme, really extreme, however, Most of us can say that we are at least a little anxious about work. At at least we could say that it's not all we thought it would be. And that we could say it's like spitting into the wind. If you're trying to be satisfied just in your work, it's never, ever going to be happy. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with whatever you have. For he said, get this. He said he will never leave you or forsake you. What would the world look like? What would the world look like if we all went to work and we walked in thankful, thankful for the job that we've been given with all its trials and all its challenges and all its difficulties, and had an attitude filled with the Holy Spirit that God was using us there, even if we don't think so, he's using us for his glory and his honor. What would the world look like? Because as you know, I think over 80% of people can't stand their jobs. They don't like what they do. What would the world look like? The last point. Spitting in the wind. But we get to spit in the wind, we get to live in heaven. We get to live in this world but we get to do it with Jesus if you have confessed him as your Lord and Savior and if you have faith. It says, There is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give it to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and striving after wind. You can enjoy your work. You can enjoy your time on earth with Jesus. At first glance it looks like he's saying, hey eat, drink and be merry and then you die. There's like six or seven times he says this. It's not what he's saying. He's not saying just Eat and drink. And trust me, if you knew me and you knew my family, we center everything around food. We plan our vacations around food. The best places to eat. I was with Karen, and Chris, and Emma, and I was like, just leave me alone. I'm eating my egg sandwich. I just love my egg sandwich. I love to eat. It makes me happy. But I can't look at that as the only thing in life, and then that's my only enjoyment, You can enjoy everything in life with God. Look, the the literal Hebrew rendering of that. There's nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil is there. Listen, it's very important. Please listen to this. There is nothing good in you. There is nothing good in man with which to eat and drink and view his own toil as something good. There's nothing outside of you, inside of you, that is going to allow you to extract some kind of satisfaction in your life, in your world, that is going to last forever. Only Jesus Christ can do that. He is the only one. Now, as a gift, God has given us knowledge and enjoyment I know I painted a really poor picture this morning of life. That's Solomon's journal. That's his journal. Don't dismiss it. I would read through the book of Ecclesiastes, if I were you, 20 times. I wish a young person would be able to look at Ecclesiastes and get it before they're 56, 57. Get it early and understand that you need Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. And nothing will satisfy in this world because he's the only one that can and should. So it says, for the one who pleases God, he'll give this gift. Well, how do you please God? How how are you possibly ever going to please him? But it says this in the Bible. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. There is great hope that we can live in this heaven, in this world with joy. You know, I love Veggie Tales. Is it Bob the Tomato and Silly Songs with Larry? You gotta love Veggie Tales. Well, Phil Vischer, who created Big Idea, did it with a dream, a dream for God. I am going to create this so people will know you. Well, his big idea and his big dream died. He went bankrupt. You can still see him on TV, but it's not the original vel- uh, Veggie Tales uh, vel- vel- that you saw, that you knew when you were growing up, that your kids watched. It wasn't the original. It's not the original. And he said the last 11 years of his life, since he lost everything, has been the best 11 years of his life. Because that dream was his dream. That was his. And if you read, go on YouTube and look at his testimony, he was saying he was doing it all on his own. Finally, he had to say to God, whatever you want. And this is what he said. I want to end with this. The most important thing is to make God the most important thing. That's simple, right? The most important thing is to make God the most important thing. And yet we don't do it. Listen to a paraphrase in the Bible. Are you tired? I don't know about you, but I'm tired. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? And Jesus, God says, come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray, I pray, I pray that you will help me. That you will help me to live in this life with you. And I don't always do it. Please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me. Help us, Lord, to accept your invitation. Your invitation to accept your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross. Who rose again for our sin. Help us, Lord. And we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.